0: come to the review. This is a short show designed to find, evaluate, and explore the resources that matter to your congregations and communities. Sometimes they'll be very practical, and other times they'll be pretty theoretical. But above all, we hope you find this show enjoyable. And we've had a lot of fun making it, so you may as well come along for the ride and have some fun with us. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Book Club. I am Ben Tapper, and I'm an Associate for Resource Consulting here at the Center for Congregations in our central office. And I'm joined by my colleague and fellow Associate for Resource Consulting, Abby Miller, who is out of our Northeast office. Abby, welcome back.
1: Hey, how you doing?
0: And I'm good. I'm good. These are always fun to do, and so I'm glad we could be here and have a conversation about the Enneagram today.
1: Yeah, it's going to be fun.
0: It will. So we are talking about the book called—I have to look this up every time—like, The Path Between Us. This is literally the third time we've recorded this, and I still had to look at the title again because I couldn't remember. Because
1: <laughs> You'll get it one I day. Mean,
0: all right. I get it confused with another Enneagram book called The Road Back to You. Yep. It feels like it's the same cover, one's just orange. And so I've called this book The Path Back to You, The Road Between Us, What Lies Beneath. I mean, like, I've gone through a lot of names, okay? (laughs) It's not my fault.
1: Which makes sense because Suzanne Stavale is the co-author of The Path. No, the co-author of The Road Back to You. see. With Ian Morgan Cron, so it makes sense why they look similar and why you confuse the two.
0: Thank you. It's not just happening in my mind, unlike many other things. Yeah.
1: <laughs> right. 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 I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this book is about the enneagram, and do you want to, to tell us why we're talking about it and why you thought it'd be a good book to review?
1: Yeah, the Center for Congregations actually read this book as like a team building thing a few months ago, and I thought it was really helpful. Because it helped you, like, figure out, well, first what your type is. So the book is basically broken down into the nine different types. Each chapter covers a different type. And then how that type works with other types. Yeah. And how they interact. And some of the challenges they could have. Some of the ways that they balance each other. So for all of those who aren't that familiar with the Enneagram... The Enneagram is basically a personality typing tool. Mm -hmm. And so it breaks you into nine different types. You could be one of the nine different types. There's also subtypes and a thousand other things about it. It can get very complex very quickly.
0: Too complex sometimes.
1: What you need to know for this purpose is that there's nine types. And basically this book breaks down what the types are like. And then how they interact with other types.
0: Mm -hmm. The Enneagram itself can be very complex, which is why it took me years to land on a type for myself, right? right? I thought I was a, I don't know, a three. And then I thought I was a five. And then I thought I was an eight. But it wasn't until I read this book and I read the chapter on the twos. And the author spelled out what the core question of the twos are. And it's like, can I be loved? And when I read that question, I was like, oh, my God it's me, you know, so it wasn't until I read this and then read how twos interact with other types that I felt, okay, I think I actually know what my type is. Mm -hmm. And so it can be really complicated. This was a helpful tool in me figuring out how I actually operate, I think.
1: Right. Suzanne Stabile does a wonderful job of making it easy, practical, and accessible. Yeah. Which is why we recommend this book when you're starting your Enneagram journey, that or The Road Back to You. They're both fantastic resources. This one just focuses a little bit more on the relational aspects and how you work together with other people. Yeah. I'm a seven personally, and it took me a while to figure out what I was. I've known about the Enneagram for about five years, and first I was a one.
0: Which, I mean, okay.
1: And then I was a six, and then I landed on seven. Yeah. And so I've been a seven For about a year and a half, let's see if it sticks that way. Right, (laughs) But it it wasn't honestly until I was going through a challenging time and realizing the stereotypical seven thing to do is to kind of run from challenging things and challenging emotions. And it was when I was going through that, when I was realizing, I think I might be running from something. Mm. I think I might be a seven. And so people's journey to figure out what type they are it can be a winding road and take a while, and so that's a story I've heard several times. That it wasn't like a, oh, I'm I'm just a three or, you know, I'm just a five, and it was as easy as that, though it might be for some people.
0: Sure, sure. So how did this knowledge—well, actually, a side note. You and I both expressed before as we've kind of had this conversation— that we know you're not supposed to type other people and actually you can't type other people right however like when i hear you say you thought you were a one i'm like mm. right <laughs> i don't know how that's possible but okay <laughs>
1: Right. Which was interesting. You know, the season I thought I was a one was a season where I had to take care of... So one, stereotypically, of course, they're detail people. Mm -hmm. They they want to make things better. They are constantly looking for how to improve upon what they're doing or something in the world. Like, they are looking for those things that can just be better. And so they're generally detail people. And when I thought I was a one, it was because I was put in a position... And I was working, and I had to be a one in that position. Mm. So I had to take on that, and it was hard. Like, it was a lot of work to act like a one as a seven. Yeah. As a natural seven, it was a lot of work to act like a one. And so I'm thankful to be in a position where I can actually act a little more like a seven, though I need to rein it in sometimes.
0: Sure. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) You know, one of the things, Abby, that I really loved about this particular Enneagram book, because there are a lot of Enneagram books, but it was the fact that in each chapter, there's this sidebar with little blurbs about Mm -hmm. how the type that is the subject of the chapter interacts with other types. So if it's the chapter on ones, it'll be like ones with twos, ones with fours, ones with sevens. And it's just a short paragraph that I think it helps make the information a bit more tangible and applicable. And then at the end of the chapter, there's a type on like relationships with you know, whatever type. And so it tells you what you can do, what you can't do. It tells you things you might need to think about and consider if this is your type. And again, it just, it takes these concepts that can sometimes feel really complex and kind of shifty. And it helped me figure out, oh, how do I apply this? You know, in this case, in my work setting, how do I apply this in other relationships? I just, I really loved that about this particular book. And I'm wondering, you know, how do you think, or why do you think congregations might benefit from going through this book?
1: Yeah, I think this book is an asset for congregations to use in group settings. Mm. So whether that's a board, whether that's small group, whether that's, you know, the whole church getting behind and like, and doing this together, I think this is a tool that can be used to build relationships in group settings. Mm. So like you said, one of the beautiful things is it teaches people practically About other types, about their type, and how they work together. Yeah. And that's something that, like, we all are working with other people in our congregation, and there are people we just straight up don't understand. Yeah. And there's challenging relationships. The variance in personality can feel like the Grand Canyon. And so this puts language into... Okay, this is how I'm seeing life right now. This is how they're seeing life right now. And now I can understand and work together more effectively with this person that feels so different than me. So, yeah, I think it's a great asset for congregations.
0: Yeah, because it can help improve relationships, and congregations at their core are relationship based, you know? Right. And that's not to say that the book. I mean, there are a lot of other aspects to relating that aren't covered by the Enneagram or aren't covered by this particular book. You know, it's not going to name a lot of the nuances that come from cultural differences, racial differences, economic differences necessarily. But having said that, it can still be a really, really useful tool that you can use as a foundation to build upon in your understanding of someone else.
1: Mm -hmm. Anytime we're working with people, there's opportunity for offense, right? Yeah. Like anytime we're working... With a group, it can be easy to take on offenses. And I think this gives space for thinking through the differences so that offenses yeah. aren't brought up as easily or there's more compassion, there's more understanding rather than jumping just to the offense or the thing that ununderstandable to one person.
0: What would you say to people that are a bit hesitant to engage with the Enneagram either because they think it might violate their faith or it's too popular and so they want to stay away from it what what would you offer to those folks
1: so the enneagram to me so i don't like to overthink it for so as probably classic 7 let's not overthink this the enneagram is a tool yeah and like the myers briggs like the animal typing personality test that i think you know the lion otter beaver and golden retriever yeah that that one.
0: This is I've never heard of this. So this oh, well, so that's a me. fun
1: one. It's <laughs> okay. anyway. We can talk about that on another episode. But <laughs> okay. yeah, so like the animal typing, the DISC test, all these yeah. personality typing tests. It's just another one. Now it offers some variants in that it can get quite complex. And talking about childhood traumas, it can talk about uh, what a number looks like in health versus unhealth. So, there's a quite a bit of complexity to it, but bare bones, I think it's just a way to understand ourselves, a way to understand others, and it's just another tool,
0: yeah, and the book itself is a good kind of reference guide to help simplify some of that complexity and so yeah, I, exactly yeah again i I just think that's why this particular book about the Enneagram is really useful,
1: yeah, it's very accessible and practical,
0: yeah. If your congregation is interested in utilizing this book and you're based in Indiana, feel free to reach out to us. We might be able to help you out there. You can also find information about it on our CRG website. That's T-H-E-C-R-G dot org. So yeah, feel free to engage with us. We also have information on potential Enneagram consultants if you're looking for that. Just know that at the Center for Congregations, we're here to help strengthen your congregation. So if you have questions, just hit us up.
1: Yeah. And Ben, I've got an important question for you. Okay. Okay. So I know that this Enneagram thing is about, you know, human beings. Yep, yep. But we all know our dogs have personalities. And I need to know. I know you have a dog. I think his name's Braun. Bron. I do. Yep. What Enneagram number would you put him as?
0: So like most obscure things, I've given this a lot of thought. And- of course
1: you have. <laughs> <laughs> no one's shocked here.
0: Right? No one's surprised. You know, but I... I think he is probably the same type as I am in that he's a Enneagram two with a three wing. And I say this because Bron, you know, the central question of the two is, can I be loved? And Bron is all about the love life. Like he wants attention. He wants affection. He's a 90 pound dog that like stands waist high. And so when he gets in your face, he can like really get in your face. And he just, he wants to make sure you see him and you love him. But he also enjoys being the center of attention. He enjoys achieving, especially when it comes to playing fetch with tennis balls. Like the dude will run wind sprints nonstop just trying to catch tennis balls.
1: That's awesome.
0: So he's really proud of himself when he can nab him after a bounce or two. So that's why I think, you know, he's probably an Enneagram 2 with a three wing like I am.
1: That's awesome.
0: How about you? What are your thoughts on your dog?
1: As you're like talking about him, I like I'm that dog owner that puts voices to animals. Like, that's sure. me. And yeah. I'm thinking like Bron's like, Dad, did you see that? I just <laughs> right. got that ball. Did you see it? Oh it so good, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's that's him. That's him.
1: So yeah, I have a 135-pound mastiff. Her name is Sassy, and she is as named. She is as sassy as they come she does her own thing. She also has a massive amount of anxiety mm. and for a 135 pound dog to have anxiety it can look like just a dumpster fire sometimes
0: yeah yeah
1: <laughs> so I think she's a six okay now there's two types of sixes if you're not familiar with the anagram there's the phobic six and the counterphobic Mm -hmm. six Mm -hmm. she is the phobic six so she is afraid of everything if she hears a loud noise she needs to be right beside you she's very nervous we're not sure what that was the vacuum lord have mercy the vacuum for the longest time we had to put her outside in order to vacuum because she would like the loud noise would scare her and she would go after the vacuum (laughs) and like try to eat the vacuum or bite the Uh vacuum and it's like this is not going to work well for you like this is not gonna right. end well right you can't win this <laughs> for neither you nor the vacuum <laughs> yeah. yeah so anyway i think she's a six we're working on the anxiety mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's funny like she needs to have your attention she mm-hmm. needs to have it she needs to know that she's loved so she's kind of like brawn in that way and that like yeah she needs to know she's loved she's loved right like i'm loved <laughs> like you see me here right
0: right right. and you know like you said earlier we know a dog can't be an Enneagram type we get that but this is still a fun exercise to do
1: right why not imagine why not not? we like to have a little fun
0: right (laughs) (laughs) well Abby thanks for joining me for another rendition of the book club thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time
1: yep see ya Thanks for listening to the review. This was a bonus episode of the Center for Congregations podcast. Please take a moment and show your appreciation by leaving a five-star rating. If you'd like to find more resources for the good work you're doing, check out the Congregational Resource Guide at the crg.org. We'd like to thank our brilliant audio engineer, Jaden Lee, for the great work he does to keep us sounding intelligible. And we want to acknowledge that this show is made possible by the generosity of the Lilly Endowment. See you next time.